Hello and welcome to another episode of The Third Wheel. I'm one of your hosts, Hamish. And I'm your other host, Aaron. And today we're joined by Jason, who is a friend of Aaron. Would you like to introduce yourself? Oh, this is my cue. Yeah, uh, yeah, go for it. Go for it. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Katenge. I'm not sure where to start. I guess my name and I kind of introduce myself by the things that I spend my time doing. So I spend a lot of my time full time working at Pocket, which is people of color in tech. I was recruited to the tech startup to run the business side. And I spend some of my time working on Pamoja Network, which I'm sure we'll end up talking about, which is sort of a, uh, we're basically working with African startups, African-based startups uh, to connect them to talent. And then I spend the rest of my time trying to enjoy my life. So <laughs> It's a good, good mix. I think it's good to start off with like how we kind of know each other. I don't think we've actually ever like formally met in person. No. Nah. <laughs> I don't think so. It's only been like over like WhatsApp and stuff. Yeah. So you went Warwick as well, Warwick University. Yeah. Same as probably, I don't know, 95% of our guests, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> probably basically University of Warwick podcast. Don't say that. We're going to get fluffing and sued by them. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. An unofficial University of Warwick podcast. The, what, what did you study at Warwick? Uh, I studied accounting and finance. So I was in the business school. It was a funny one, you know. So I came into warwick thinking that weirdly enough before i got there i was like do you know what i'm gonna go into investment banking which was a weird mindset to come into and when i got there i realized like towards the end of my time at university that i really didn't want to do that at all in my life yeah because you're not in it like at all really (laughs) exactly so i was just like it was weird so I, i chose accounting finance or econ But I think I was very, very big on politics and international development. So I actually spent a lot of my time at Warwick between like building and joining societies to being on the football team and stuff like that, but really engaging in that kind of stuff. So it was a bit strange. I didn't really like the course. I think there was one, it's always like that. There was like one topic that we had to study which was the best thing which was like something called critical issues in management and used to talk about like power ethics used to talk about like all these kind of things but like outside of that yeah so like two questions on that why did you want to go into investment banking like before uni yeah and then did you do any kind of internships or anything during uni that made you kind of switch away from it or was it just a kind of feeling it's weird. So I forgot that I actually wanted to go into investment banking. What happened was I was wearing my, shamelessly wearing my football kit to my local pub back in London. And one of my friends from uh, college had asked me, oh, are you, and on the back was like Bank of America, Merrill Lynch. And he was like, oh, are you working for investment bank now? And I was like, no. He's like, oh, I remember you used to talk about it. And I think it really came from, I think it came from because at school, before I even got to college, I was very big on like business. So like in secondary school, I'd won the business studies award. So I really like trade and stuff like that. But I kind of like assumed that all trade was like finance, even though I was more entrepreneurial by spirit. So yeah, when I actually got to Warwick, I, I was part of the rat race of um, applying to roles and stuff like that. And I went to... I went to Coots and then I didn't get another internship. I went to work in this private equity place. Coots. And then, yeah. So um, it's the private private bank. It's the one that the queen has an account of, actually. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I think that's a shout out, yeah. <laughs> I just realised that, you know, and it actually compounded. Once I left and I joined the consultancy and started working in the city, I just realised. I think you, there comes many points when you're like, is this all there is to it? So, yeah. Yeah. And then you mentioned there as well, like how you were wearing your football, football kit to a, to a pub in London. Is that the Warwick football team? Yeah, but it was, to be fair, it was after going to goals. So it wasn't like I was just walking okay. around. Like... <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit more acceptable. Is that how you know then, um, I forgot to mention it, you were actually a call out as well from uh, Josh Banks. Yeah, so funny enough, when I was at St. Dom's, I'd actually played Josh Banks because he used to play Sunday League in the Harrow area. Mm-hmm. So I actually knew Josh from... Not really knew him, knew him, but I played against him when he was at John Lyon and I played against him before when he was playing at Parkfield. But I only became friends with him on like week one of Warwick when I was like walking to my football trial and he was walking back because he lived in Arthur Vic and I lived in Jack Moore, which is like next right, like, yeah. door to each other. And then uh, we had a quick conversation, became friends and stuff. And you know Z as well? Yes, Z was a stranger as well because again, I played against him in when he was at John Lyon and I was at St. Dom's and the first day I went to Warwick for the open day we were stood next to each other and then I was he was like oh, I'm from Harrow I was like I'm from Harrow too where are you from and we <laughs> kind of never, <laughs> never forgot each other yeah one of those yeah cool so like so during university I guess if you could take this like chronologically I forgot what year we kind of got in contact with each other maybe th- third year second year maybe I think it was just after we graduated. Was it? Oh yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so that was about Pomoja. Am I pronouncing that right? Pomoja? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pomoja Network. And when did that start? I'm assuming that started like during university or towards the end. It's a bit of a strange one. So towards the end of university, well, in my second year going into my final year, I was co-founding the Africa Summit. So me and like two, three others got together originally and were like there's all these different forums but there's not an africa summit and like it's a big topic that we should be discussing in terms of like everything that's going on in the continent so we started to work on that and then off the back of that i thought hey like i can want to continue to do work like this and then i started to think about it just after i graduated but it was a bit messy in terms of how it started how it started and what it is now two completely different things it started as like i don't know if you guys are aware of like the black curriculum so like it's basically like this really like it's got a lot of traction in the last two years or so but it really talks about sort of black history and embedding it into uk schools so it Mm -hmm. actually started off as that the team at the time and i had taken a trip down to a school an independent school and pitched them the idea and they were like yeah we're really interested but i felt like i really wanted to do projects that had more of a footing on the continent. So then the idea completely changed away from being curriculum UK-based to now kept iterating, to now being um, a sort of startup-centric where we really want to build a community of African startups and connect them to sort of fellows and talent to help them support in gaining and growing. Yeah, awesome. And yeah, what I wanted to pull it, if you do this chronologically then, so Warwick Africa Summit was the first kind of was that the first thing you like kind of founded, co-founded? Yeah, I think before that I was working on the International Development Society, but it wasn't, you know how sometimes when you work on societies and it's like, you're not getting that 
some people are working on it for their CV so they can apply. Yeah. And I felt like that wasn't that I didn't get much out of that. So the first thing I co-founded was Africa Summit. Yeah, we had Kiru on uh, Kiru Mahoya. Yeah, like a little while back, and I remember us talking about Africa, Warwick Africa Summit. I didn't realize at the time that you you founded it. Yeah, cool. yeah, I did. I did. He's he's a good friend of mine. I actually catch up with him um, every now and then. He's building this uh, neo bank in Kenya, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really cool stuff. And how how did was it just you or did you found it with someone else? No. So the actual president was Mo Al Tayeb. And what happened was I was <laughs> I was in the library, so I'd worked with Mo on Wids, but I'd sort of left Wids because I didn't feel like it was my thing. And I was working in the library on starting an internship, which would be between certain departments and uh, institutions on the continent. So, like the Pansy Hospital in Congo is run by Nobel Prize winner, uh, Dr. Dennis McQuaggy, and he basically helps treat women who have been raped and things of that nature. And I was like, if we could set up some kind of internship where people would work in, in and around the continent who are interested in it, then that would be something that might be of interest to, I don't know, the PACE department or something like that. So I started to work on that, but I was working on it in like the end of my second year, just like during exam season, kind of in and around there. Yeah. And then Mo just pulled me to the side. He was like, yo, I've got this idea. I want to do an Africa summit and I think we should build it. So him, Mo, myself, Ahmed, Babakir, basically got together and started to put some ideas down. And then I became, I became kind of, it's weird. Like it was kind of a startup vibe. It was like, you don't just have a, the role title itself was like external relations, but like I did everything but the finances pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cause it, it turns, it's quite a big society now, right? Yeah. It's five years old now. Yeah. Do you still, as like a founder, I don't know if it's different cause it's a society and not like a startup technically but like are you still involved in it or is it kind of like you don't really you founded it and then it's up to like the president and vice president whoever runs it no that's a great question so we passed it on it's it's strange because this this year was the fifth year right what's amazing is that it's got better after we left which is a good thing so this year i was asked to come back and and give kind of a speech at the summit mm-hmm. on how we started and where it's got to and then I have input every now and then if they reach out to me, but it's more like a thing of I prefer for people to run it the way they see fit. And if they need, it's weird. Like every every few years, someone from the current exec reaches out to me via Facebook or something like that. And they're like, can I have the password to, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you're asking the wrong person at this stage. But yeah, I'm, I'm, it, it depends on whether they, they need support or not. How do you start a society? I know that I remember someone. It was like thirty people or something. Yeah, you had to get a, someone to like sign thirty people to sign it to be able to like start one. Yeah, so we had to do a lot of lobbying. Let's say so uh, we got an advisory board together. I used to meet with the advisory board. They would help push stuff over the line. So one of the key guys was Dr. Franklin Lisk. He was in the pace department, and it was, really was lobbying and like a lot of like relationship stuff. So I'd like go and take meetings in uni house with people that I've never met who are like representing like the vice chancellor and stuff like that. And then 
it was it was like you have to get the right people to to sign off on it because to be honest with you guys it was not going to happen like we got a lot of pushback and it was under the impression that it's not needed on campus they made it very difficult for us to to host it um who is that like the high ups at university yeah the high ups and then it only became a thing I don't know what changed. We it was pretty bad. Like we had to get like I had to go and negotiate for credit lines, like so that people could extend us out money, even though we had like they blocked money <laughs> that we were getting from like a particular investment bank that sponsored us. So it it was a bit of a challenge, but we had people on our side who were like, these guys are like sacrificing their time and their degrees to like push this thing out. And at the end of the day, like it's still here. So so okay, wait, like a summit is like a convention or something, right? Like, yeah. Wait, so I'm not understanding what, what was going wrong in this process because you brought money. Yeah. You wanted, I guess, a venue. I assume you wanted to book like art center or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So we we booked the Oculus. So I think what happened was it was that anytime something is is new, the CEO at my company said he asked me yesterday to search up this thing, which was like no one ever said no to IBM, and it it's like in the tech space that means like companies prefer reliability of innovation and it's the same thing with educational institution i guess they were like we haven't seen this before so there's no sample or there's no like example that this has ever worked so we don't we don't believe in it basically and every time i was fortunate because my side was really working on uh, leading the team getting the relevant speakers to come in. So it was easier to that extent. The other side that was working on the finances, they were being given the runaround. But I think eventually once, because people were dropping out as well towards a few days before, we managed to get the vice chancellor to come and speak. And he even realized that because the actual end of the event, we had about 250 people who arrived and people who came from up across the country. But yeah, it was it was difficult. I think, and I think this is the reason why we started the Africa Summit. It was like, if you guys want to look at it just from, and not even just you guys, I'm talking about like them. If they wanted to look at it from a data perspective, there's no way you're going to be able to avoid the importance of the continent in the next twenty years or so, thirty years. And I feel like that is the kind of disrespect that you kind of get. It's like, no, no, no it's fine. Like, don't just go to the yeah. Econ Summit or go somewhere. <laughs> I've left some of the stories out too, so we'll, we'll do that one offline. Okay, okay. <laughs> oh, don't worry, I'd love to take this beer tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> we back the beef, we back the beef. Yeah, I was gonna. I love a football analogy, so I was gonna compare it to like a, I know a manager not like not wanting to risk playing a, like a new young player like coming yeah. through the ranks, but they'll go with the more experienced. Yeah. And it's the Euros, man. It's the Euros. You got you got to take a few wild cards. Like, yeah, you can't Jude just, Bellingham uh, needs to be on that plane, man. This is what I'm saying. You can't just rely on two holding midfielders. You got to get some some flavor in there. Yeah. Okay. So cool. So that's that's so Warwick Africa Summit. That was yeah done mid university, and then towards the end was when you mentioned like Pomoja Network started. Mm. When you did start that. Was that something that at a time you just thought was like kind of like a side thing or is it something you would make into like kind of once you leave university to do it full time and really grow into this massive mm. organization? I think at that point I didn't trust myself to go and run something. Mm-hmm. 
I still had the mentality of I need to get some like I need to kind of earn my stripes in terms of I need to go through industry and stuff like that. But then looking, reflecting on it today, because in between doing, I'm explaining this the long way, but in between working on Pamoja, I went to a consultancy and then I joined the cabinet office and now I'm at a startup. I realized that the breadth of experience that I've had in the employer's world is more important than the depth, I guess. Right. Yeah. And the amount of time that would have stayed in there. So at the time I didn't trust myself to run it. So I kind of set it up as something that was of interest. But then as I started to meet particular people and stuff like that and exchange ideas, build a team, uh, the questions around funding started to come up, which I'm still trying to figure out now. But it's become more of a thing of today, what I'm trying to pivot it towards is something that I can at least commit a bit more time to to building. So, yeah. Yeah, cool. I think we, we got in contact, I think is around like a rebranding. I think that was the, the major. Did that ever, did that ever go down? Five rebrands ago. <laughs> Five rebrands ago. Uh, constantly, constantly evolving. So what are the, what are the kind of the iterations you've been through with Pomodoro? Oh, you said there's been like quite a few. Oh man. I, I th- I'm pretty sure I'm going to forget. So it started as a school curriculum coming in, doing workshops. I and another member of the team had built out a syllabus to do that. And then when it came to kind of pull the trigger on that, I was like, this doesn't feel particularly right. So we moved from that to what's funny is, so it's it's interesting the people that you meet along the way. So I was introduced by a member of the Pamoja team who's not on team anymore to one of our advisory board members, Conrad Mwanza. So what I used to do was whilst I was working at Capco, and I think I can say this, on my like lunch breaks or if I was on the bench, which means that you're working for waiting on a project, I would like take meetings. So I'd like go down to Paul Moore, even though the office was in Shoreditch, and I would meet people around Pamoja and just talk about what I'm trying to do. So I met Conrad Mwanza. Basically as you so I'd met him and he basically joined our advisory board and what happened at that point was he invited me to a dinner i hope this will make sense but he invited me to a diaspora dinner and at the diaspora dinner was the brand ambassador for south africa a a lady called pumela salela and she had worked closely with nelson mandela and i gave a speech at that event representing my now ceo with an award so life is very weird like i was not close with him enough to to like and I wasn't even thinking about a role this was two years ago but I presented him with an award two years later I'm working for him and then Pamela who was at the event the brand South Africa lady I met with her after to discuss Pamoja and she was like you need to strip your idea down rather than it being the first version which was the curriculum the second version was you do insights so someone writes a topic we build a project out of the topic. She was like, what you really need to focus on is blowing out the project element of Pamoja, make mm-hmm. your organization about projects and fellowships. And then she said, once you do that, then we can get back in contact and then we can start to actually work together. So from that, I basically went on and I was like, and I felt, felt terrible for the team that I was working with because it kept pivoting. But yeah. I was like, what I'm going to do is I'm going to blow this thing out. I'm going to focus on problems and build 
a fellowship kind of thing, which led to, I guess, what our pilot kind of looked like, which was a startup and pro bono consultants who have supported them. Right. So just to clarify, by fellowship, you mean what? Yeah. So there's two ways. So the fellowship is someone with a level of experience. So there's kind of two kind of ways. So the fellowship is an individual with a certain amount of experience, maybe like a mid-career level business strategist, then goes to work one-on-one with a startup who's looking for that kind of experience. So we kind of set that up. Alternatively is what we did in our pilot, which was we speak to an organization who are looking for different expertise, sorry, in different areas, and we connect like four or five consultants, the same way you'd have a, as a project to them. And how that worked was we put out a feeler to our own network and said, hey, we're looking for people with skills in this, this, and this area. So digital marketing, business strategy, operations. And then we interviewed some people. And then we introduced them to what the case study was, which was the agriculture firm in Kenya that we're working with, the agritech company. And they worked together for about eight weeks or so. And the team that was running the project basically compiled the findings and and gave it back to the company that was we were working with in our pilot. Does that answer it? I think so. Okay, Okay, that's not good then. So a fellow a fellow is a person who like it has a certain level of experience who like comes into a problem statement and he's basically a person basically comes to help with a problem. Oh, so just a problem solvers, is that? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you, you, you put some uh, like name drops in that, in that like dinner you were having. Oh, uh, yeah. When, when you said as well, like how, um, so you were presenting an award to the person who is now your boss. Yeah. Your CEO, but he wasn't at the time. No. That's mad. That's a, yeah, small world. Do, yeah. You, do you like, do you see that as a coincidence? Would you see that? We've talked about this stuff in a previous episode. Uh, we had a guy called Ambrose, who's a co-founder of Fanbytes. I don't know if you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Tim. Tim. Yeah. And he, we, we talked about like um, spirituality and how he believes in like, I think he called it synchronicities or it's called mm. synchronicities. And it's like meaningful coincidences. I believe in the same because I like to write every now and then. I wrote this piece about like um, God and manifestation and things like this. And I think like, um, Sometimes it's not this big thing. It's not this like crazy thing to believe in. What it is is that if you're living a life of intention, then the probabilities are higher that you're going to come across people who have the same intention. So I don't know. Let's say what you guys are doing is mm-hmm. you're, you're podcasting, right? So you're probably more likely to build out your network, even the way you're marketing it, like having us shout out people as well. It's like, basically what I'm trying to say is like, I think intention leads the way. <laughs> like you're, because had I not had the intention to do Pamoji, then I would have met, wouldn't have met Conrad, who doesn't introduce me to another network person. And then my actual, the CEO, my CEO now is actually the cousin of a friend that I went to school with at St. Dom's. So, he had introduced me to his cousin and said, hey, bring him along to the dinner if you can. And I was like, sure. And then you just stay in touch. You build a relationship from that. Yeah, that's wicked, man. And all these people you worked with on Pomoja, are they, was this all like voluntary? I'm assuming it's like a yeah. non-profit kind of organization, right? 
Yeah, it's been voluntary. I think it's funny because now I'm at the point where I'm actually starting to think about revenue streams properly. And that also requires you to, I basically need to start to really think about how to do this over a long period of time where people are actually able to get paid. Otherwise, it's just voluntary work, which is fine. But it's like, I read this thing somewhere, you know, show show me the incentives and I'll show you the outcome. <laughs> if people are not. And I think, unfortunately in life, like, passion only gets you so far. Like, you run out at some point. So, Yeah. Are there any cool, cool, I don't know what the word is, like testimony, not testimonials, cases, case studies? Use yeah. cases. Use cases. Where like Pomoja, like any cool startups that you've worked with in Africa on Pomoja? Yeah, so no. Okay. <laughs> Short answer. So we ran our pilot last year. We're actually about to do a startup with a hub in Ghana, an entrepreneurial hub in Ghana to do like a new batch of startups. So our first startup was an agri-tech company in Kenya and it grew veg with soilless technology. So we basically helped this girl with her business strategy. So that was pretty cool for the people to work on. But I think in terms of like, what I really want to do is work with like a, I really want to work with like socially impactful startups. So startups that are working in like healthcare and stuff like that and have one of them go on and raise loads of money because Mm -hmm. of the support that we were able to give to them or, or, and stuff like that. So more to come hopefully. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What is the kind of the future for Pomoja? Like anything, do you plan on pivoting again or is this kind of? No, no, no. I think, I think the model that we have now makes sense. I think the pivot, the pivots will be small. It will just be things like actually building out a platform. And that's not even a pivot, to be honest. It's just adding. I think where we're at now is a good place in terms of, the focus really needs to be to build out a network of startups. Mm. I just want to continue to speak to cool people who are solving problems and see where we can potentially support them with what we're doing on our side. So I think, you know, that's, that's the first step forward. I was, I was thinking maybe like last month or so, like you really do go off to university at a time when you're still a child. <laughs> it's been like a few years since I graduated and I still don't feel like I think it's a great time because you you just you meet so many people mm-hmm. and you get like to do things that you wouldn't be able to do if you didn't go to uni like nothing all day <laughs> and not worry about <laughs> money or anything but equally it's like it's, it's a it's a fertile I remember taking one of the so the now Prime Minister of Sudan, his personal assistant, at the time he was the UN Economic Commission for Africa, so he was the head guy for the UN econ stuff. And I was taking his PA around campus when he first arrived. I remember there was a there was a there was a demonstration about God or atheist atheism or something like that. And I was like a bit concerned just because I don't know what his obviously his views are and I don't want him to be like you know, yeah, yeah, he was smiling at the whole thing, and I was like, he was like, yeah, I love this. Like, he's <laughs> like, just loves the uni environment because it's just. I love this game. Yeah, <laughs> young people going at it. <laughs> That's just so cool. Like, I can't imagine. I don't know who like really the person you're talking about is, but it's just like, just sounds cool. 
nice. The question I was asking uh, before we, uh, we cut out was, um, can people can people get involved? Yeah, absolutely. So I think I think what I really need to do now is what I really want Pamoja to become is like a running thing of like, um, you know, when you go onto a company website and it's like, here are the open roles and stuff like that. I really need to focus on building out our network of startups and then just have like, these are the roles that people are looking for to fill in on like a temporary basis and stuff like that. So at the moment on our website, there is a get involved form. So go and, um, and uh, put your details in that. It's always helpful for us. Yeah, hopefully we can connect the two. I was talking to my friend about Pamoja yesterday, actually, and he was just like, I feel like you're in the final step. You spent a long time trying to build the brand, but now it's really time to focus on the startups and stuff. So, yeah, we shall see how this goes. Yeah, and we'll put uh, links links to the website and like social media stuff in the in the show notes uh, for people that like are interested and want to check it out. Yeah, the um, I was going to ask as well, like how um, running that running that startup, like how does that balance out with work? Mm. Like, do you find a good balance? And also, at the beginning of the episode, you said like spending your time also trying to have fun. So, how how do you find that balance between three things? Yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. Do you know? Do you know what's true? So my um, my girlfriend always tells me like, you know, you just make time. Like you'll make time if you want to believe, do it. You'll find yeah, time to do it. She believes in my projects, but equally, she's like, "Look, if you wanted to do something, you would do it." And I think that's true. So it just means like, I don't know, less time playing. I don't play Warzone anywhere. My boys do, but less time on FIFA <laughs> at the end of the day, and just like an extra hour or two just doing something. But I think I think it's funny because, and I think this is quite important to say actually. So. I actually suffered a lot from like, which I still do every now and then migraines, but I, my migraines were quite aggressive in terms of like, um, it would include vomiting and stuff like that. Sorry, it's a bit okay, yeah. for <laughs> But the reason why I say that is because it was normally amplified through stress. So I've had to learn over like the last two years how to manage that level of stress because um, this, it kind of started when I was at, in the consultancy when you're working long hours and then you're doing some more work and stuff like that. But yeah, I think it's very important because for me, the way my body works is if I'm not listening to it, it will show up physically. So what do you, what do you mean by that? So if I'm very stressed out, I'll get migraines and blurred vision and vomiting. If I'm also very stressed out, I might have grey hairs pop up and stuff like that. And that tends to happen when I'm not taking care of myself. So listen to your body, basically. Listen to your body. I know you wanna you want to work and become and I say this to everyone because I was actually having this conversation with my CEO recently. Yeah, it's good to be ambitious, but equally like you're not for people who care about you don't care about you because of your achievements, right? They just care about you because you're a nice person. I used to have a, like one of my closest friends in like secondary school used to get migraines all like time off school. Like he used to take days off school because of migraines. And at the time I didn't really understand. Like I was, I just thought migraine was kind of like a bad, a bad headache. You know, I get it from time to time. He was literally like, he would be off like 50% of the time. And he was like telling us like how he'd like throw up from it yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. It's pretty yeah, bad. It sounds awful. It's like, you can't like uh, put lights on and stuff like that. You have to like, 
try and sleep, but you also can't sleep. Yeah. So, and I also say this not to make this very depressing, but it's like you should tell your employers as well. Because when I was in cabinet office, I came across a sign which was like, you know, tell your employers if you suffer from migraines because they're not headaches. And this is the thing about working in the industry, right? I know we're going off topic. When I was in finance, they kind of made you feel bad for taking time off because it was such tribalism. It was like, especially in consultancy, it's like they under-resourced the projects, but they give you so much work. And it's like when you take time off or you're like, I'm going to do this, it's like seasoned vets in the game of consultancy make you feel bad for taking time off. Like, this is not how we do it. Yeah, guys, don't be fooled. Um, it's, your, it's your health. That's actually bad because in my team, I'm usually like, look, it, you have annual leave, take it. Don't just stack it up for like 20 days and then try to push 20 days over because you know you're not allowed to do that. So you might as well mm. use it, rest up. Like The work will be there no matter what. If they're not going to give us people, then that's mm. really their issue. We'll do what we can mm. to the best of our ability. And then, you know, just you make sure you're good enough. Obviously, like I can't obviously tell them to do physical exercise, or whatever, but I'm like, Look, yeah, just take your leave. If you're sick, just take the day off. Like, don't. Mm. A long time ago, I'd be when you're in office, I'd be like, "Yo, if you're sick, don't fucking come in. I don't want to get sick at all." <laughs> like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Don't don't come in. I found that to be a pretty. I haven't said this in a while, but when I was in San Francisco, oh hello, I, uh, <laughs> begins. I found that like to be a mess. I wasn't. I was at a startup, a really small startup, and I took. I remember asking my boss for one day of off work for the whole year. I was going to say, like, my first manager, who was, like, my manager for nearly a year and a half or something. Like, I remember when I was, like, like properly, properly sick. Like, I was on, like, even heavy medication. I'd, I'd be, like, trying to take a day off. you like, could you please work from home? I'm like... What? <laughs> I logged Are in and right? I was just in a state. And I used to do that. And then I was like, you know what? Yeah, fuck it. Yeah. When it's a sick day, like, if I'm, like, 50%, might as well consider taking the day off or, like, work half a day or something because oh, there's, like, you know, limitations. It's actually poor leadership. It's, like... It... I can't believe that. Um, you also wonder, like, psychologically, how those people are doing, because there's probably things like mm. if you're working like that, there's things in your life that you're neglecting yourself mm. and other stuff. It's strange because I was actually thinking about um, the idea of the four day work week. Obviously, it's in uh, some countries in 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 like them. I think Denmark and, and stuff like some of the Nordic countries. And I was basically thinking about that, and and Google already have their. They had a version of it. I need to find it, but it was like, okay, you're going to work four days a week or you're going to work a certain amount of hours a week and then we give you 20% of your time back to work on projects that you're interested in. And I genuinely feel like the direction, and I also feel like the direction of like the pressure, and I think it really comes from from the wrong goals and incentives of the organization at the top because the reason why they're making people feel so bad is because targets sales competition but like mm. i feel like once we move away from that in the business sense i genuinely think like feel like people will become more like caring for other people it won't be about sales and targets and and all of that kind of stuff and it might even be a case of in the future where you get to work for two companies at once you spend half your week at this company mm. half your week at another company and I actually think that works better for society because it becomes a lot more collaborative than competitive. Do you think that's easy though? Like kind of balancing your mind between two kind of two companies. Mm. Like it could be kind of, I don't know. I, f I feel like it might be hard to, if I'm working Monday to Wednesday, one company and I'm in like doing one thing, 
mm-hmm. and then kind of shifting it completely to like a different kind of project or mm. something completely different. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it won't be easy. And hey, who knows? It might just be, it might be non, it might be a nonsense idea. But I kind of got the thing from Jack, so CEO of Twitter and Square. He like splits his day into two. Well, mm. at a certain point, obviously, Bill Gates was splitting his time into two. It was like, and I, and I wonder how difficult. It, obviously, it's the same domain, but like, say if you're like a, a stock analyst, you need to go from stock to stock to stock. But obviously, you apply the same fundamentals. But I'm just wondering whether people are satisfied in working in just one narrow thing and forced, and whereas they might prefer to like expand their horizons a bit, and what that might actually do for mental health, giving people the options to like, okay, Monday to Wednesday you're going to work at Thursday and Friday you work at Star. Well, that might also be nonsense what I'm just talking about because at the end of the day, like you're helping your competitors and and people might be yeah. like, that's, that's stupid. <laughs> no, no, I was, what you said is like a good point in general about multiple working multiple streams because I'd say like, because other people would maybe say like they work their primary job and they'll work extra, extra, extra hours into it, you know, like whereas now, for example, I like, I try to do a harder cut off after business hours, you know, like I don't successfully do it, but I try to do a much more harsh, you know, cut off because it's like, you know what? They they only they only pay you to basically get stuff done within those hours, and yeah. then there's a line of how much you should do. Like if you have to obviously complete your task, I agree with that. But there's a line of how much extra you should do because at the end of the day, like you need to go have your fun and everything. Like you would just be more productive if you. I feel like if you switch things and do it, you know, and especially if you maybe like doing it, for example, and it's gonna like, I don't know, I don't know. You know when people say like it does the serotonin release? I think it is, like. You're just happy just working something else. So like when you enjoy it, you're more productive, right? So if you're switching between them, I feel like it's just a better balance. But obviously, you still need to have a break. You can't just continue to work, work, work. Yeah. I think something like two roles, two different roles within like the same company could work well. Is in like, say you're a front-end developer, like a massive company. And maybe that's, that's your primary role. That's on your contract, your front-end developer. But then they also kind of allow you to choose another department to kind of mm. just work in for like a little while, like kind of just one day a week, kind of just get experience if you want in the finance department mm. or the design department or security or whatever. I actually think that's a better Sales. idea than the actual two companies. But it only works for like smaller companies. I don't think it works for like massive, massive corporations. Well, at least in my opinion, like I don't, you don't get to see much of it happening because it's like, you either switch roles or you do it outside of the hours. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like newer type of... I like, thought in bigger newer... companies it'd work better because it's like less obvious you're working on something else. You'd think, but then it's just like... Because then it may start stretching over into your like overlapping roles during the same hours and then there'll be like a clash because you obviously need to complete one team's work and then the other team's work. So, and then what happens then you're just... I think realistically, sorry, I think it should actually it should actually work better in big companies and it would put more onus on HR to like make sure people are in the right place at the right time and, and stuff like that. It should actually be easier because in, in the startup, it's more like things do need to be done by a lot of things need to be done by one person most of the time. So if you could, I don't know, maybe it's just, a, it's just a thought. I think the way we work at the moment isn't, isn't going to, it never is the same, but I think it's going to change a lot. Yeah. The four-day week, what, what's your opinion on that? 
because I've seen that that idea kind of floating around now and then, but mm. I don't know if it's realistic or if it'd even be beneficial. People would like that. Yeah, I think the the concept of having a five day working week is a bit abstract. Uh, I don't know where it came from. I understand the Sabbath day because we live in a predominantly historically Christian, I don't know, Protestant Catholic country. Mm -hmm. So I understand the Sunday being off, but I think it's an abstract thing to have five days where you're working starting at nine um, or whenever. So, and I think that's what's so interesting about entrepreneurs. They kind of design their life to, to around something that kind of works for them maybe not at the inception because they have to work a lot harder than than your nine to five but then eventually i feel like you should work personally i wouldn't mind working seven days a week on something i really enjoyed not all not every day throughout the year but i wouldn't mind doing that equally i wouldn't mind a four-day work week but knowing myself like if i'm doing something that i enjoy i'm more likely to work more than four days so I was thinking like a four day work week would mean like, I'm just going to use myself as a potential example here. Like I'll do four days my primary job then the fifth day would be either startup or the podcast. And then the sixth day would be other one. The Sunday could actually be a full break day, which would be quite interesting to try. But right now everything has to be, you know, scheduled into whatever slots you have throughout the evenings and the days on the weekends. Yeah. So like maybe the four day week would be nice, but whether it ever happens here is a different story in coming years. <laughs> Yeah. I know work from home. Work from home seems to be a big shock to people, but you know, like, I'm well, I'm not glad that COVID happened. I'm glad that the work from home came out of this because before it was like frowned upon if you just work from home because you didn't want to compete, you know, like one and something hours to get. I was in. about to say if you're gonna say you're glad COVID happened, that might have to get. No, no, no. I was just gonna say, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad work from home happened. You know, like I can't imagine. Yeah. Even now, like it's you. true. There's been times when I was I was sitting in a role and not doing much and it was like well i've taken the tube all the way in and i'm not doing much like because especially yeah. consulting it's a lot of face time so i don't know i i believe in working in concentrated blocks as well spurts like you don't need to work seven hours eight hours ten hours a day you just yeah. need like a certain amount of concentration and i think you guys probably know that better than i do as like coders yeah i, d I do find that yeah it's like i i could say like i could work seven days a week but like the a specific day of the week i wouldn't be working like nine to five i'd just be kind of like working might get bored for a bit might procrastinate a bit might watch a movie in between or something and then go back to work it would be kind yeah. of like that rather than seven days a week nine to five yeah i prefer to have like bursts like these days i think yeah i'd rather have like i was thinking like what if i started taking like a two-hour lunch and then work in the shorter bursts because i feel like I can start avoiding calls, you know, the politics, and then I can just do like a burst of work and it may be more effective. Yeah. I swear, like, it's more effective when I do that at the start of on the podcast. So I'm like, if I started doing that during my work day, you know, like, maybe, maybe it'd also be more effective. But yeah, that's just... and it's, it's strange as well because, like you, my, I have another friend who works in one of the big four and he's working. They work, okay, the salary is good, but they're working him so hard that he has no time to think. And I heard this from another friend of mine who works at a boutique investment bank. He was just like, the problem is, is that I have, I don't have time to consider other things. Another one of my mates who's left, I think he was working at a hedge fund. He left the hedge fund and he started this like um, company called Invaluate. It's like a green, it's a 
It basically uses your banking apps to track your carbon footprint. He was basically like, I was talking to him yesterday and he was like, yeah, I'm um, about to go get my hair cut. And he was just like, my mind is so clear because I wasn't able in the middle of the day to just go on a walk. I had to be at my desk. It's like that freedom in your mind, it helps you like, because I feel like it's undervalued and it's underestimated how much you can figure out about what you what your desires are and stuff when you just have time to think a little bit or just to take a walk. And I feel like when you're when you're in a role that doesn't give you that, things get cloudy. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Definitely if you like working on Yeah. I can only go by my examples, but like if you're kind of in the zone on working on one specific thing, like trying to build something, you're not thinking about anything else, you're just thinking on that one thing so it's not yeah you don't have time to think about anything else was that kind of what you meant by the idea and future of work yeah i guess so i mean yeah i think that was mainly what had been going through my mind i think yes it's it's definitely that it's also the part of it as well as figuring out because i don't know if we're going to get pensions right by the time we or we'll get pushed back a lot It'll so, be like 98, age 90 <laughs> retirement. Yeah. Exactly. That's why I tell people, I'm like, bro, you better have like, you know, income or save stuff here, like happening, like without you having to do anything. Yeah. Me and my friend Walid, actually. So, my friend from home, yeah, we were like, yeah. So, we've had this like plan for years, like, yo, you know, like by the time we're old, yeah, we're not going to want to work anyways. Yeah. So, we need to get our money right real quick here, yeah, but maybe we need to think like super long term. So, like, what we want to do is obviously get on the buy to let ladder separately after we sort out, you know, personal situations. And when we can get on the buy to let, if we, once they obviously pay themselves off roughly around our retirement, which would be like aiming pre, just before 60 probably, because working till 60 is just long in it. Like if you're just working a nine to five, for example, your entire life. So like if you could have that, you know, background flow start coming in after those start, start self-paying in, you'll be able to basically chill like around then and, you know, just enjoy a bit more calmer days because how much more can you really stress your body? To do like a desk job for example like that's this is just an example it's just like yeah like a desk job nine to five even at 60 i've seen people do and i'm like that that can't be nah, me it's not me it's not me <laughs> let me you know chill out the rest of the days however long it yeah. is at that point because i don't know what our life expectancy is going to be like from inhaling london pollution for most of our lives honestly and i think that's the thing like we're going to be working for a, probably for the most amount of time especially if you don't come from like a, a, a background where like there's wealth already. So like myself, so I feel like the, the, the idea of work in terms of, and I can't say this for everyone because everyone's got different circumstances, but going back to Warwick and stuff like that, the idea of work shouldn't be about status and it shouldn't be about salary and stuff like that. It should really be the idea of work should be, I don't know. I was listening to this thing. It's about, um, you stop asking yourself, the questions around ways you want to do and you think about more is what can I provide? So I've been going through this thing where it's like, um, rather than looking at ways to improve your employability, it's just what skills can I get? What do I want to do to solve this problem? So like you guys would have had to learn to like, okay, how do I get this podcast popping? Do I need a, I need a microphone. I need an Instagram account and all of these kind of things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think the idea, the idea of work needs to be more, in my ideal head world would be more focused on like stuff like how do you contribute to to problems basically because we're 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 lucky to have gone to Warwick as in not everyone gets the opportunity to do that so to come out 
and this is something that I kind of think about sometimes to come out and just think about myself in terms of what I want to do. I don't know. I feel like the people who are privileged to go through certain things, their their role now is to to use their skills to help make it a more level playing field. But well, it's a bit of a paradox because it's like I had to work, so it's a bit it's a weird one, isn't it? Yeah, I, th- I was. I was. You sent me like your um medium like blog before before this, and I was looking at uh yeah a couple of the articles, and one of them I found quite interesting was how you said businesses somebody was saying it was like the social impact like the moral obligations of a business or like a fat mm. of a ceo or whatever and how some people might say like the business their sole purpose is just to make money whereas it's kind of about shifting that and they can make more of an impact socially yeah i think so it's not i don't think it's too difficult i think the problem is is what we talk about is the because the way we feel at times as employees or have felt when we worked at a big company it's a product of, I think, the article that I tried to write about. It's the ideology that, you know, like, gimme, 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 get, get, get. Mm. So I think that's, it's kind of shifting it to like, to more like solving, because there's a way to do both. I think there's a way to make money and there's a way to help people. And if you combine the two, then, because most, most entrepreneurs make, they probably exit their companies and stuff like that from, they're solving a problem, whether it's like Stripe, for example, that payments company, which is going to, I think is going to be amazing. They just like, their thing is like increasing the value of the internet or something like that. It's super interesting because they really just focus on making it easier for small companies to receive payments. And that really helps companies. So yeah, I think small things, small things like that, not to harp on about the point, but I think it's super important. I think it's something that, I think it's something that we ought to consider. Like, what are we doing for others, basically? Yeah, a cool, a cool thing about a uh, cool, like, side side point about Stripe. And if you know, but Stripe, I don't know if you've seen Stripe's website. That's almost kind of seen as like the gold standard in like web design. Oh, is it? Yeah. Whenever someone like I don't know someone makes like a design framework, they're like they use Stripe as like a, a focus point. It's just it's just really nice, really nice, well designed. I think you guys are the coolest, by the way. Sorry, before we go back to talking about myself, I think you guys are the coolest in terms of the web designers. The way you look at things and put them on a page. I wish I had that skill set, that design. So my sister's like um, an artsy person. I have two, so they're twins. One of which is a dental hygienist. The other one is, it's a weird family. The other one is, uh, (laughs) my other one's in fashion, so she's like a visual merchandiser very good with like design and like yeah yeah i'm not, I'm not gonna argue with you yeah man we're, we're the coolest one uh, <laughs> won't, won't argue that point <laughs> you've been learning to uh program right oh i tried you tried is that like a past tense thing yeah i tried so it was weird i was i was only learning it to do something particular but yeah i kind of i think i might go for the low code the low code version but yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I've, I did one episode of like a coding thing, and I was like, I could do this, but I don't think this is for me. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. The the last kind of topic we had written down was around the like technology for social impact and yeah. Africa. I don't know if we like largely covered some of that. Where 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 do we where do you really start with that? I just think like if you're if you're pre entrepreneurial anyway, you're probably looking at technology. You're probably looking to leverage tech anyway. 
But yeah, I actually think we covered loads of it. I think I think something that we haven't covered is why, like, I'm so big on Africa. I think it's because um, I genuinely feel like it's the, it's a very like untapped thing, and it's looked at as like too big of a problem. Mm. And I think from when I worked at the Africa Summit and stuff like that, you just continue to meet people who are working in the space and doing really cool things. So like Paystack was on the YCAB Combinator and got acquired by, I believe it got acquired by Stripe actually. Yeah, got acquired by Stripe for like 200 million. It's like two Nigerian co-founders and they were just building ways to receive payments and stuff like that. And like, there's just so many things to do. And I just think it's, um, I don't know, I have an affinity towards it, I guess. But yeah, I think I've, I've harped on a lot about tech tech and social impact it's weird though i was listening to another podcast and it was talking about like founders Mm -hmm. and the way like founders think and because i'm not a techie like you were saying i'm not a programming guy this guy said like uh, founders they tend to think about like stuff in terms of like philosophy and psychology and a lot of the stuff that i read is like well now is like philosophy psychology and i literally downloaded yesterday i don't know if you guys ever came across the book a man's yeah. search for meaning i've heard of it so it's from a guy who's in the during the holocaust who was taken unfortunately to concentration camp and he basically speaking about he's speaking about that topic so i'm just about to start i think stuff like that's super interesting yeah can't, can't say i'm a i need to get more into books that's one of the things i've been saying for years need to start reading more yeah it might go back to that like working bit like just don't don't find the time yeah i think i think it's one of those things as well like the worst thing you can do is pick up a book because you you have to read it yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. that was my whole uni experience yeah i was gonna say i also prefer like practical stuff and visual stuff because like reading a book it's just like i swear i have too low an attention span and i can see stuff better if you show me it visually or if i do it practically then read read something off a page yeah it's just one of those things I was just like, like there's stuff I want to read, but I'm just never going to read it because I'd rather watch a movie version of it. Like, yeah. if that makes sense. See, I'm the same when it comes to novels because my, my girlfriend keeps buying me novels and I'm like, I don't want <laughs> to read like a, not a fiction book. Like I'll watch, I'll watch Avengers. <laughs> like, I'll watch, I'll watch, I'm not going to read it. Only, only two books I've read where I've been like, found it hard to put down and that was Sir Alex Ferguson and Gary Neville's autobiographies. Not, nothing else. I tried to get into the novel stuff. Like I tried to, when I finished watching Game of Thrones, I was like, yeah, yeah, what do I do now? Oh, you know what? I'll read the books. So I'd yeah. like downloaded them all and then just start, like opened the first page and was like, nah. okay, yeah, no, nah, let's leave this one. There's too, so much It's like here. those Harry Potter books, which are like this thick. Yeah, yeah. I want to read, the, like I want to say I've read the Harry Potter books, but I'm just not going to really, realistically. Funnily enough, I was turned off by the... So I read this a few years ago. I'm sure you lot have seen it. I just managed to grab okay, it. Sapiens. Yeah, somebody on the podcast has showed us that book, but I don't, can't remember who. Oh, it's a sign. But this is so... Normally, how thick it is, it took me about... My sister got it for me. It took me about a year and a half to at least pick it up. And then when I was on a holiday in Bali, I went backpacking between Bali and well, Indonesia and Vietnam. Mm-hmm. I took it with me and I started to like read it. 
But yeah, sometimes the, how thick a book is, it's like it's off-putting. It's like, oh God. Mm, yeah, for sure. You ever go into like audio books or anything like that? No, nah, I'm not. I'm not an audio listener. I am a podcaster, as in I'll listen to podcasts a lot. Yeah. And it's funny because you mentioned Silas Ferguson. So I, I've really been into the high performance podcast. So oh, like, with, um, oh, what's his name? Who's, who's, the, who's the name? Jay, the Jay Comfrey. Jay, Jay Comfrey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I've been into that. I've also been into uh, Rio's one, which is five. Five, five by five. Five by five, yeah. yeah. So I've been listening to a lot of that. I actually like how all the footballers, the ex-footballers are coming out with their stories. They all seem to be jumping on the podcast thing, though. Well, loads of ex-footballers are getting their own podcast now. I think, it's, I think football is a strange one because your head is down for like 15 years. And then when you're like... A lot of them, when I was listening to some of them, they like didn't even have a clue about their finances. Some of them had to like, mm-hmm. Sean Davies, who used to play for Fulham, he had to like sell his house because he didn't have a clue what was going on. I was going to say like a lot of it is so that they, they, they probably usually like would hire people out so they can just focus purely on the game. Like it makes sense for them to be you know, at their best, not thinking about, I guess, finances when they're in a game, right? Like all the, the less the mental weight, I guess, for them, you understand. Cause I swear, like I've seen, like you know, esports here, yeah, like gaming esports. I've seen, like, I mean, even them, like, them, like, have like nutritionists, like all these people, like mm-hmm. doing everything for them, just so that they can be the best that they need to be during the games. Like, mm-hmm. and it's a bit mad thinking about. It. It's like I could never imagine letting anyone manage anything for me. <laughs> just, <laughs> it's actually quite funny because this week, for people listening, we're recording on the seventeenth of April. This week, Phil Foden sacked his social media manager because he had someone a lot of players now have people like managing their own social media accounts yeah and gary neville actually came out and said like that he thinks players should be owning their own social media and like just have a voice for themselves kind of thing which i kind of agree i don't know if that's gonna like get them into more trouble with like stuff they i think that's easier said than done yeah probably um... During Black Lives Matter, I remember there was this NFL player who just said this one comment, which was just, it was just poorly timed. Mm. And then he just got absolutely slated for it. He was like, he's like a, I think his name was Drew Brees. He was like a quarterback. And he said this comment and it was just like, because the thing is as well, the internet's a harsh place, man. <laughs> like you say one wrong thing and you're done. Like They'll just snip a sentence out of the entire conversation. That's real. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. If I were a footballer, I know we've all used that line before. If I were a footballer, <laughs> I would probably stay away from social media, to be honest. Do you Taxing think? on the brain. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a big social media guy at the moment, actually. Do you think, though, it like gives the fans like a kind of, I don't know. So, ben, so look at Ben Foster, you know, the, mm. do you see what like, he's doing on YouTube, kind of style vlogging and all that? I think that's really cool. But I think he's a quite, an experienced guy now and knows kind of what to, what he can do what he can't do mm. but i find that that kind of stuff i don't know whenever i see like a player i like like a main eye player or something on social media and they post something like inside the dressing room or something i find it quite cool like to see what it's like kind of thing yeah but i do get i do get you the same way they maybe the dangers of social media as well they can probably stay away from it yeah i guess as well like if you're a player like kepa from chelsea and you're in the mud like he switched his, <laughs> he fully switched his comments off and everything because he was just being abused. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it depends. depends. This is straight away from. <laughs> no, yeah. I was going to say because NBA players are quite the opposite to uh, 
NBA players kind of do what they want. Yeah, LeBron loves it. Yeah, awesome. Was there anything else you wanted to touch on before before we wrap up? No, not really. I think it was a great conversation. I think those are the things, it's funny, that's going through my mind at the moment. It's almost like a therapy session. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks, guys. I'll see you next week. <laughs> yeah, no, no worries. No worries. Yeah, a free trial session over as well. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So we round off each episode with some final questions, a call out, and then a shout out. So the final questions, first one I'll go with is funny enough, speaking about like podcasts, if you had your own podcast, mm. who would be your dream podcast guest? Yeah, I thought about this this morning, actually. It was one of two, and then I was like, nah, for sure it would be this guy. It would be Dave Chappelle. I think he's so... It's not even that he would make me laugh. He would make me think. He's just very, very insightful guy, and he says things in a way that is funny, but very insightful. So I would be like Dave Chappelle or like Chris Rock. It would probably be Dave Chappelle. Okay, so both you would have gone down the comedian route. Yeah, I think they're highly like... Do you know what's strange about comedians? I think they're like um, sociologists. Like they like watch everyone and then tell us how stupid we are on stage. Yeah, <laughs> and then we laugh. I mean, they've got it. There's so many times I've seen them, and I'm like, they what they say is like, yeah, I know. Like I'd relate to it. Like you're saying exactly what yeah happens, kind of thing. <laughs> One of my favorite ones is I don't know if it was Cat Williams or if it was Dave Chappelle, yeah, but they basically said yeah, like this was a. The clips resurfaced again over and over, and it reminded me, like, look, yeah, if you say yeah, oil or something, or you say America three times into a mirror or something, yeah, um, they will come knocking on your door, but they'll come <laughs> with guns and everything. <laughs> and then if you put it into context, yeah, like it's not, it's not even a joke, like, yeah, it's jokes, but like, it is kind of true, you know, like it's, yeah. it's based on some truth, and that's what made like it's such a good thing to joke about. Yeah, I was even. Uh... Oh, I remember when I was watching Jerry Seinfeld as well. He was like, um, it's like when he comes downstairs in the morning, he's like in a game show with his wife and the wife asks him like a million hypothetical questions that he can't get wrong. <laughs> and when he's just, he's just there, she's like, all right, see you again next week. This is funny. Yeah. There's also the Kevin Hart one when he's like, when you're calling your mate and you need them to lie for you and you use like, a <laughs> I was like why is this so true? And I'm hungry as shit. <laughs> <laughs> there's also one, I don't know. There's a Mickey Flanagan one, I think it was, yeah, where he's like, yeah, you went to a French restaurant and you asked for ketchup. Yeah, and I'm just like, that is so fucking me. Like, you know, you just say things yeah, that people like don't want to say, but like, nah, it shouldn't be wrong yet. But like, me asking for ketchup shouldn't be wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No matter the restaurant. Yeah. But the second question is if you had to listen to one song forever or album, what would it be? Oh, this one I'm not sure. If, if it were a, if it were a song, this morning it would probably be like Michael Jackson, Human Nature. If it were an album, oh, this is so hard. You know, I do have to ask you about the Michael Jackson. Do you still listen to him after the? Yeah, yeah. Because I so when I was even watching the Dave Chappelle thing, so I don't listen to R. Kelly. <laughs> like that's that's <laughs> he's done <laughs> but on, on the other hand with Michael Jackson like I don't I still don't believe it and even when Dave said it on stage I was like I just don't believe it because the the kid I remember this article the kid had come out and said you know I, I lied after after he'd passed I lied for money for me and my mum so yeah I know 
also i didn't watch the actual documentary um so maybe there's same i don't watch it it's, it's on netflix at the moment i think it's recently recently added okay what was the so, album yeah, you're thinking of <laughs> oh the album okay today the album would be reasonable doubt jay-z from 996 his first one yeah it'll probably be that nice and then last question so this is a question we actually ask every guest and that is uh what has been your most memorable third wheeling experience it was strange you know i saw i went on a double date one time at warwick with like this other couple and then in fact no i'm not gonna say that stuff <laughs> you don't have, have to say names really. yeah you don't have to say names. No, he, he, he would know it's him <laughs> i don't want to do that to him whenever i third wheeled can you tell us and just not, we'll cut it out? Oh, yeah, I'll tell you lot. Those are too bad. Those are too bad. What have I, I don't think I've had a third wheeling experience. I try and avoid those experiences, actually. Yeah. As soon as um, I try and avoid double dates as well. I just think they're strange. <laughs> like... Yeah, I can't imagine. I haven't been on double date, but I can't imagine it being. Yeah. I feel like it's a bit weird. I mean, that's strange. It's like the, the girls are fine. They'll chat away and then they're like, oh, no, yeah, he likes football. He likes, go and sh- talk to each other. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, hi, do you see Jesse Lingard at the weekend? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so who do you, who do you support? Yeah. <laughs> cool. No, no, that's no worries. We can, uh, if you, if you avoid further wheeling experiences, that's all, all, all the better for you, to be honest. I do. 100%. I'm a, uh, Trying to avoid awkward interactions. <laughs> yeah. All right. The next section is a call out or a nomination. So you could choose one of many people to ideally, hopefully, come on the podcast in the future. Yeah. Who would you like to nominate? I think Marcel Plummer would be good. He's went to Warwick as well. So keeping the tradition going. <laughs> He's, Warwick needs to sponsor uh, us. That's what they need to do. <laughs> I actually met him when I was working on international development back at Warwick he graduated before me he's co-founded a company called Shaka Cuts so it's using tech to connect barbers to customers and yeah and I caught up with him not too long ago how does that I guess if we get him on we can, he can explain it but uh... yeah yeah I'll, I'll let him explain it yeah man I think he would be a good person to have on awesome awesome yeah we'll uh, give him a shout and last bit's a shout out so Anything you just want to plug, promote, can be literally anything. Uh, floor's yours. What would I like to promote? Two things. If you're struggling with what to do with your career, pick up this book called Range or this TEDx talk. The premise of it is you have two ways of kind of going about things. You can go the Tiger Woods way or you can go the Roger Federer way. Tiger Woods way is basically, <laughs> which is basically like, what? No, not like that. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> you, know, you can stay committed or you can. <laughs> yeah. So basically, Tiger Woods, like, obviously, he started golfing from like two years old. And then Roger Federer actually took on a bunch of sports and became good at like uh, tennis later on in his life. He was always good at it, but he focused on tennis. So it basically expands on the idea of like a um, building range over like picking something and going down that route. So I think that's the first thing. Second thing is my guy from who I went to secondary school with is a music artist. His name is Zaire, which is actually the former name for where I'm, my roots are originally from. So Congo, Z-A-I-I-R-E. He just released an EP, which is 
he's got quite a good catalogue of music, but this recent EP released for his 25th birthday, really, really good. If you're into hip-hop, if you're into, like, neo-soul, so, like, sort of common, Erica Badu kind of feelings, uh, Wale, stuff like that, American kind of version. But he's obviously from the UK, so that's the kind of vibe that I get from his music. Really good stuff. Awesome. We'll put uh, links to all the all that stuff in the description too. And um, I was going to say the Tiger Tiger Woods thing. I watched. Have you seen the documentary Tiger on HBO? I think it's on oh, Sky yeah. Go as well. And I didn't. I I knew like bits, like some stuff about Tiger Woods, but I didn't realize like at two years old he was literally like his dad had him on like TV like playing golf at two years old. Like I was, yeah, it's mad. It's crazy. It's bizarre. What would you guys do? Because I, I basically, I used to play football, right? And I was all right. I got, and I, I say this for a reason. I got scouted for a few clubs, but later on, like when I was like 14 or so, what would you do if your kid was super talented and academy was like, no, we want to take him at like six years old. And I ask this because I don't know if I would let my kid go because it's a hot, it's almost like putting them in like, it's almost like when people leave prison, they don't want to leave prison because they don't know anything else outside of the prison they want to stay in. Uh, so when some kids kind of get released from clubs. Mm. Yeah. So what do you think about that? As in having kids in training from so young? I would be down for that as long as they're still educated well, because they still need to learn a lot of things in life mm. and, and have like other experiences as well. So I wouldn't mind them like doing a part time or if it's like a weekend. I don't know how, you know, that stuff works. Cause I'm not too deep into football, but if it was like weekends or like, you know, evenings or whatever, like it's a different story. As long as I could, they still get educated quite well. Cause I don't know how, I don't know what they teach you at the academy apart from football. So I would want them to be just quite well educated as well, but I would, I would let them chase that talent. If, Obviously, the opportunity arose. My answer is if it's Liverpool, Man City, fuck that. <laughs> Anyone, if it's someone else, go for it, man. <laughs> no, I, I, don't, I, don't, I think, uh, I'd, I'd think, thing is, I'd be gassed. Do you know, I'd be gassed for my kid if they got scouted by like. I remember being disappointed because it wasn't him. <laughs> yeah, I'd be a bit like, oh, that could have been me, you know? No, but, and I assume my kid would be gassed as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I assume they'd be like over the moon and they'd be fuming if i was like nah i don't think you should my dad told me if i was we're watching the world cup and obviously when yeah. mbappe was doing the bits he was like yeah if you're mbappe's age i probably wouldn't have let you go I was what like, was mbappe's age when he went 20 i think okay as in he wouldn't have let you go if you were 20 yeah <laughs> 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 Aaron looks so confused. Yeah, yeah I was thinking he, the same thing. I was like, I he think scored he goals in the World Cup final at twenty. Then, yeah, I think he's more concerned with the whole like Justin Bieber type story. Give the kids loads of money, and and then they'll get a bunch of tattoos and uh, yeah, and then fall off. But yeah, yeah. I think it, you'd got to like. I assume I don't know how it kind of works. Like within the academy, do they just like take them and like? It also depends on the relocation situation. Like, are they relocating like by themselves to like a different? Mm. opposite end of the country or even like a different country at like such a young age or and kind of yeah I think you'd have to like look at like the, the education thing. system at like yeah. the academies and yeah. stuff like that 
I really wish I used more of this episode to ask you guys questions, by the way. <laughs> no, it's right. My, my, initial, my initial answer to that would be I would let them. Okay. That'd be my... I just need to understand that. what they get educated with there. Like, you know, that's all I need to understand. If it's satisfactory enough or there's still time for them to get educated separately, I'm all down for it. Like, why not? Like, you know, like if, if also like, if the, but if the kid's like, nah, then I'm like, if you're saying no, nah, who am I to? Don't you think you'd, you'd be asking yourself the question though? Like if you didn't let them, like they might not get that chance. <laughs> we, I'll be like, we could be rich. <laughs> I want them to have all the opportunities that I couldn't in it, but I'm, not, I'm like, I'm quite confident that I'll hopefully make it to a stage where I'll be fine enough where I don't need like their money. It will just, at that point, it's just a bonus, you know, I'm, that's what I'm hoping for. But like, it wouldn't matter to me. Like they could just go spend it on themselves the next generation it doesn't matter to me that much you know like let them do at least something they like their entire life compared to chasing money as hard as i've been for it my entire life i don't want to yeah to because i don't want it like you know do you know what i mean like like i was i always think like shit i could have been a cricketer if i had the money to you know have the equipment and be able to play if i was allowed out etc you know like i could have been lord knows like many other things yeah you know if if the opportunity was given there you know like but it was never there so so is cricket your sport? No, no. When I was younger, it would have been, but I just didn't have the piece for it. Or like even that, I wasn't even allowed to go and play it. Like that's how mad it was. Um, apart from with my brothers, so like it was just a bit, you know. It was basically like you know when you grow up with so many restrictions because you don't just have it, yeah. And you don't have that, and it's not that the parents' fault, but they don't have the understanding of letting because obviously their life experience was very like you know work from age ten and twelve, whatever. So how did you fare with the amount of freedom that you got when you first got to Warwick? So when I got to Warwick, mate, I loved no. it. I, I didn't want to go home. <laughs> I stayed at Warwick. Every, you I stayed, stayed during Warwick. Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> I stayed during Christmas. <laughs> but I stayed, well, not intentionally one time, but like I wasn't against the idea of staying there the entire time. You know, like mm. I was fine with it because I knew that when Warwick ends, I have a choice here. I could go for the, so I'll cut some of this out. The I could go for the, just having a good life but mm. then leaving the fan behind obviously here which isn't doable for anyone who comes up like that like it's not mm. a feasible option but if i come here and put myself through shit for x amount of years and get mm. them out then then it's it works better for everyone it would just be at the cost of me like that's the only expense there so i get the impression that so it's interesting because you know how before we were talking so much about social impact and stuff like that mm -hmm. it's such a balance between that and not coming from wealth because I'm yeah. in the same situation as you, Hamish. It's like um, what you're doing is actually to really support your family. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I'm reading it wrong. And it's like, you could go off and just be like, oh, I'm going to rent somewhere nice and near central London or yeah. whatever. But it's like, you know, it's not. At the end of the day, like, it is what it is. So it's funny. It's, and I say this to say, like, it's interesting because last two nights ago, I was on the phone to another one of my friends who started this company called Weka. And it like sends money back to like companies to invest in in Africa. And he was like, I'm in a situation now where like I'm trying to build capital to look after my family. And I see people around me at my age getting mortgages and stuff. Um, so it's annoying sometimes. But then I was like, to an equally, like, you need to remember a mortgage is a commitment because that's 25 years, probably, if you don't put a big enough deposit down yeah. so it limits things that you you can't just quit your job anymore so yeah so like that's what i'm obviously aiming to do but it's, it's just one of those situations like so right now i'm in a bunk bed in the living room i'm like at this age after you go warwick after you experience that freedom mm. like you and my friends were like to me don't don't do it don't go back just live out but i was mm. like you know financial sense and not leaving the family behind is like 
it makes sense for me to come back and do this as much as I can. So is your objective to save up enough money to buy the family house? Yeah, so I'm gonna obviously I'll live with them in the initial mortgage one. And I de- if I can do it right, this one would be put out to rent, and then this one would pay its own mortgage off, and then happily ever after, like the family would be in a way better position than wherever we started. But obviously, are you that close way, to doing that? I'd say it's possible, depending on it depends on a lot of things when you're going to get the house in it. Like because currently the aim is to probably do it solo, mm. just by myself for my first time buyers bonus. But it's not simple. Like there's a lot of ex- expenditure that you have to consider yeah. when. Yeah. So like building up the capital and then I changed basically all my backup funds into the primary thing. And right. I was like to my brother, you stay as the backup fund and then anything over this amount, move it towards the house and then I'll pay you back for it in the future because this would get us all out. You'd, you'd have more space as well. And obviously my other brother who's just went, my youngest brother just went to uni, lived out now. And right. obviously I was like to him, like, you know, I get it if you want to live out all three, four years, but if you need financial help to do it, if you can't get enough, because they don't do bursaries anymore, you know. So I'm right. like, just let me know. And then that way I can give you a separate, like, you know, amount per year. Yo, I'm maxed out my student loan. Do you, so you have three, there's three of you. You have two other siblings. Yeah, two siblings. And you're the oldest. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. And I obviously don't want them to have that financial burden that obviously I would have. So I'm just like, no matter what, do what you like. It doesn't matter if you don't get paid as much. Because like for other brothers working, he does something he likes, but it's obviously at the expense of not, you know, earning as much as I would. Not saying I don't like what I do. But yeah, go on. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. Are you in Northwest London, Hamish? Yep. What, Harrow? I'm like, you know, Wembley, Stonebridge Park area. Okay. I'm Stanwell. So would you, would you, do you reckon you'd be looking to stay in? That's the issue, right? Because I would, I would want to take us out of here, but I understand that, for example, both my parents can't move away because of the community and the, you know, the family and all the, yeah. the local high street where they do all their shopping. So I'm like, that's, that's all adds so much restraint because finding a minimum three bedroom because you could maybe convert the fourth in later on, but or just fourth, what is it? Um, a four bedroom house, like for 450k in this region, bro, you, you have to be on mad crud. Like there's not usually, and I don't want to move further into Stonebridge, innit? You're yeah. looking at you're looking at Essex or, or it's possible, but I have to like snatch at the right time and have to hope I have the right amount of capital available and obviously everything. But it's basically working on a madness right now. But it is what it is, isn't it? We should have started with this. We should have started with this conversation. <laughs> cool. Yeah. What was it? What was the next section? Shout. We're on shower right now. Oh yeah. So I guess my shower is my shower is going to be RV's latest mixtape. Rico Vondel. It's quite a good story throughout if you want to listen to it. That came out this week, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It came out two days ago for, at the time of recording. There's another one that released as well, another album, but I'm going to save that for tomorrow's episode because I need something to shout <laughs> Hard. I've been very... So my UK guys are... Obviously, I listened to Dave's new tracks two weeks ago, mm-hmm. but my UK guys are the older lot. So Wretch. Um, yeah, I love Wretch. You love Wretch? Oh, yeah. same. Wretch gets... Um, Kano. Oh, you listen to Akala as well? Yeah. Okay. I saw, do you know what's funny? I saw Akala, yeah. So the first time me and my girlfriend went on a date, we were in Soho eating. She was facing me and I was facing her. 
And then she looks over my shoulder and she goes, she was, she was bare looking over my shoulder. I was like, what's, what's, am I not? <laughs> you check it out, you check it out. Like, All her she, friends there for battle. <laughs> so then she was like, she goes, is that a Carla? I looked over and I was like, yo, to him. And he was like, yo, I swear this dude was floating. Like, it's like his feet weren't even touching the ground. He was just like floating. It was like something out of a movie. He was just like, bless up. And I was like, nah, man, you're... <laughs> I was, like, I was like, nah, nah you're That's not right. real. I remember when I saw Youngin in Banana Tree. And I was like, raw. Banana Tree? <laughs> yeah, I shit you not. Youngin was in Banana Tree. <laughs> Is that why you love it so much? No, no. But like, I was just saying, like, it's just like, mad, you know, you see celebrities, you forget sometimes that like, they'll be at the same restaurant as you. Aaron, your shout Ugh, shout out. I don't have anything to shout out, so I'm just going to shout out Paul Pogba. Shout out Shine Down Marino. But, uh, oh man! Did you see Mourinho's response last night? He was like, "I couldn't care less." Yeah, but obviously it does. Obviously it does, man. Or is there a YouTube video or something? I need to watch. Yeah, I'll send you. I'll send you. But this episode is coming out in a little while, so maybe like Pogba's like fucking handed in a transfer request or something. So I might have to retract <laughs> it at a time. But we'll see. Cool, awesome. We're at the end of the episode. Thanks so much, Jason, for coming on. No problem, guys. It was fun. I appreciate the the platform to to air my air my thoughts. And that's meeting you as well. Yeah, meeting you at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been great. Um, and yeah, hope everyone else enjoyed the episode. And we'll catch you all next week. All right, all right see yeah. you guys. Have a good day. Bye. Bye.